I'm so bad at this. We need to work on this dice rolling part of the show. Andy, okay, we're going to leave this part in because I think this is uh, this is a confessional time. So I was playing in a session on last Saturday and I went to roll a single D6 into a dice tray and I managed to throw it over the dice tray off of the table and like into the kitchen that was next to us. Okay, normally I think you should be shamed for botching a dice roll. But yeah. if you got it into an adjacent room, I think yeah. I think you get an automatic success uh, <laughs> for that. I don't yeah. know. Like that's just a dramatic enough uh, botch of your die roll that it's, yeah. it needs to be rewarded. Or yeah, I mean, you think like, all right, this is like basic life skills, but nope, <laughs> can't do it. All right, let's try that again. Okay. Six. Chris, the topic we will be discussing today is how do you help your players role play together rather than just with you, the GM? Nice. Hello, and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. Andy, um, the episode that we're recording right now is going to go live a couple days before Roll for Topic Con 2023. I've heard of it, yes. Yes, yeah, I think you're attending. I hope you're attending. <laughs> yes. Otherwise, we should probably talk about that before we do anything else. Uh, but yeah, I'm getting really excited for it. I'm also uh, hitting that that point at which I'm like wondering, like, why are we doing this? This is terrible. This is awful. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. This is going to take so much work. And then, uh, but I know since we've done this a couple times before, that that feeling is going to fade into nothingness immediately as soon as we start the con, because I think it's going to be a, a super fun time. So. Yeah, well, I, I honestly feel this experience, which I also have every year right before the con, mm-hmm. it, it's it's like a magnified version of that experience, I think. I would like to think every GM has, although mm-hmm. maybe only I have this. And that is like shortly before a game where you start thinking, maybe I, you know, I can't do this. <laughs> why, why did I promise to like learn this new system and run it for people? Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's going to be a disaster. And I've seen one one convention going GM already express that GMing fear about the game mm-hmm. he'll be running at the con. And I mean, every he knows and everyone else knows that it's going to go great. But I 100 percent am there with him with that feeling of mm-hmm. what what on earth did I sign up for? So yeah. and, uh, you know, the convention itself feels like just that but you know added a little bit just because there's extra stuff about you you know all the details that you know yes. the food the, the keeping things rolling etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah for a good so time. real so before we go to our topic in a second so yeah. what do you say to the gm who is having that experience they're like i'm reconsidering this whole hobby yeah. why why did i sign up for this? Mm, so yes. what, what, what do you say to that person okay i'm gonna say this to this person and then also to myself and then everybody else yep. as well uh because i i'm planning on running a game too um, I think the thing to remember in these times is that you are sitting down at a table with a bunch of other people that also want to have fun um, and are, are engaged. And especially at this con, uh, they are maybe more engaged than someone who's just sort of wandering around Gen Con looking for another thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is a con that is essentially devoted to people who really like playing different games and really like kind of experiencing that. 
So sort of no matter what happens, everybody's going to be satisfied with it because they're all going to be trying to make it happen too, along with you. So, yeah. you know, do as, do as well as you can with your prep. Um, you know, don't prep too much, but don't, you know, also not prep. Yeah, just sort of be ready, ready for what happens um, and also just be ready to be kind of thrown off your game immediately because someone's going to make some sort of dumb decision within five minutes that you're going to be like, oh, right, this is why I play Yeah, games. you'll have to shove all of these carefully created like props and stuff just off into the garbage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should actually provide a wastebasket <laughs> next to right. each GM. <laughs> yeah, your original adventure notes go here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, here's a bunch of yours. Here's your scratch pad where you got to come up with something quickly. So <laughs> That, you know, the, that is wonderful, though. And I think that is the message to remember, you know, anytime you have that pre-game uh, jittery feeling. Unless you have screwed things up royally, everyone at the game table will want to be want to be there. And if that's <laughs> yes. not the case, you have problems bigger than uh, that, that can't be solved by better GM prep. Yes, so. yeah, that is that is very true. Uh, but yeah, it should be it should be a really good con. We have like fifty percent more people, I think, coming this year than we did last year, which is just bewildering and really great. So I'm I'm excited. Yeah, and there's a total of 12 games being run throughout the day, which is yeah. a lot. And they kind of, they span the, I mean, it's a it's a nice diversity of game types and styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we yeah. have some super crunchy D&D, we have some artsy, artsy indie things going on, and I think a lot of stuff in between. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, that is, uh, I think that kind of uh, does it for the, like, let's reflect about the con portion of this podcast. But yeah, yeah, I think uh, probably our listeners are like, if they mention the con again, I'm just hitting delete on my yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. So uh, let's jump into our topic, unless you have something else that you wanted to cover first. Um, the only thing that I wanted to cover, because I, I just needed to be able to say it on the podcast at some point, um, is that my wife and I went and saw the Barbie movie. Oh, um, yeah. Right. And I, I warned you that I could talk about the Barbie movie for an hour straight. And I'm not going to do that here. <laughs> you did. Listeners, I didn't yeah. I didn't tell him that he wasn't allowed to do that. But yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm regretting that the way that that interaction played out. But go ahead. Chris. Yeah, uh, it was it was really it was a really, really good movie. It was very unexpected. The thing that I kind of like kept thinking as I was watching was like, this is an amazing like fantasy movie. It, it sort of defies genre in that like I don't think it's any sort of one thing, right? It's not just a comedy. Like it's it's for sure it's a commercial for Mattel for two hours straight, right? Like so it is that. It is also sort of like a, a movie about feminism and, and patriarchy and all that. It is also just like it operates by um, the same sort of fantasy logic that I really just love about like fantasy novels and things like that right there's sort of these unexplained things that you just have to sort of accept in order to interact with the story and i found that really delightful that they didn't try to do so much world building and lore building behind Mm. behind it to like yeah try to make everything make sense in context of the story that they're trying to tell uh yeah and that was just it was pretty delightful so anyway two thumbs up i would say definitely go watch it i'm sure oppenheimer is also good but i we wouldn't saw barbie instead. yeah i mean yeah. there's uh you have to make those tough choices yes. uh, so you've you've chosen you've chosen a side i think yes i have yeah. fair enough huh? <laughs> okay all right well let's get into our topic so when we were looking at the table of topics before we uh we actually rolled on it we kind of identified this one as like wow this actually would probably be a pretty uh, a pretty good one to talk about because going into a con we're all going to be playing with people that we don't normally play with when we're thinking about this topic of like yeah, how do you help players role play together rather than just with you this is always on my mind, I think, whenever I sit down as a player. Yeah, how much am I supposed to be just talking to the GM in my character versus like talking to my my table mates, right? Like my, my other players, players at the table. I think there can be a tendency in games where it's just like five people having one-on-one conversations with the GM 
Hmm. And then the GM every once in a while being like, well, okay, like here's something everybody needs to know, right? Like, you know, take this into consideration. I don't know if that's bad or good. It's just something that I've, I've sort of identified in my own game playing of like, of, of maybe wanting more of more of like player to player interaction or just noticing that it doesn't happen that often um, in the games that I'm playing. As usual, I got stuck on like, what does this question mean? And you made some assumptions that are interesting in the way you approach it. So let me rewind this a little bit. Okay. What are we talking about when we say role playing with each other? Mm-hmm. Um, so I made an assumption that I think was faulty, but but I'm a faulty person. Uh, <laughs> and I kind of pictured people interacting in character with each other at the table, like the yeah. players. Because uh, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, at many tables, players role play their character to you, the GM, right? Yeah, I feel in my experience, it's much rarer that like, for example, two players talk to each other as their characters. Yes. Whereas that's not super uncommon when the GM is having an interaction with them. Mm-hmm. Is that, what does that mean? Uh, and is that what this question is talking about? And is that what you were talking about? Yeah, I think so. That's a good distinction to draw. I think that's what I, that's what I'm driving about a little bit more of like the in-character interaction. Although I do think there is also trying to figure out like what to do next, like sort of that meta level too. Mm-hmm. I think if that's not happening among your players, like that's a sign that there's something wrong, right? Like if, if no one's trying to strategize with each other, yeah, right? Like something else is going on at the table that you should probably be aware of. Usually in games that I play, I feel like that part goes well. The like, oh, let's figure out sort of what we're going to do next. Yep. sort of stuff together kind of a group brainstorming session. yeah in, yeah group yeah. brainstorming section like yeah like oh do you remember like did this thing happen did that thing happen you know we need to decide where to travel to like yeah how to do our battle formation all that sort of stuff like that that stuff i think is pretty natural to happen together but yeah i think the in character me turn into another character you know insane saying something and try to trying to make something like that happen um yeah i don't know i guess i, I don't know how to facilitate more of that or if i should you know, before we even talk about if it's a good thing or a bad thing, why do you think that it's common for a GM and a player to have an in-character conversation? But I feel like it's vanishingly rare that Mm -hmm. PCs do that. Almost all the interaction at my game tables I see is occurs at that meta level. Mm -hmm. And at, at most you might get some like, well, my my character here would probably want to do this. What do you guys think? Yeah. Why, why don't players have those uh, in-character conversations as much? I wonder if it's a question of, of agency over the, the story and the narrative. If the game is set up such that like the players can't really make a decision about like, there's a shop over there, right? Like they can't make sort of those, those like world level decisions or decisions about like where the plot's going or like, you know, stuff like that. It's, it can be somewhat hard to have a conversation at that point. Right. Cause mm. then you're just like, maybe you're chit chatting, which is one thing, but if you're trying to make a decision about something that might be related to like the state of the world that you're playing in, I think that's where it's like, if the players themselves are trying to be respectful of whatever the GM is doing, they don't want to step on toes, right? It's like you can't mm. you can't really have those conversations without having to sort of stop every couple of seconds and be like, is that okay? <laughs> is that okay? You know, can we yeah, can we be talking about this in this way? Like, are we missing something to the GM? I wonder if player to player role playing in that in character sense, I wonder if it sort of calls out some of the artificiality of the setup in a way that is mm. kind of sub subconsciously uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. A lot of player chat happens during a role-playing game 
that is not meant to reflect anything that's happening in the world of the game, right? Yes. yes yeah. And you know, in real life, you do not stop every three minutes to have like a check-in strategy conversation with the team around you, right? In role-playing games, you do every couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. They, you know, the game is paused basically while the players hash out something or other, right? Yeah. That's kind of necessary for role-playing games to work, but it also doesn't really reflect the way the characters in the world are acting. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm articulating this very well, but uh, I wonder if that's part of it. Just that, yeah, that, that kind of weirdness of the weirdness of having all these conversations that uh, aren't taking place in the game world. Yeah, no, I think that is is for sure part of it too, right? Like you could imagining like two players sort of stopping to like talk about the weather with each other, would mm. be like like what are you what are you two doing like are you like working on some sort of scene for a a local theater production right now like like right we're like trying to i don't know whatever fight the kobolds or um you know whatever the the situation at hand hand might be the, the sorts of conversations you have in real life don't necessarily lend themselves well to the sorts of conversations you need to have in character at the, at the game table if you think about a typical real life social encounter or working on a project with people you might look back at that and remember like there's all this banter that happens mm-hmm. in the course of doing that in role playing games the fun of the interactions happens but it only happens on the player level like you go home and you tell a funny story about a joke that Jane said during the game that cracked everyone up you don't tell a story about the funny joke that Jane's character said usually right i think so i mean i would always i would always attribute it to Jane right like i wouldn't attribute uh-huh. it to the 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 character right well yeah. i guess what i'm trying to say is in a role-playing game you can't really create that character banter without it being pretty artificial sounding mm-hmm. so you get player banter instead yeah that is part of the experience of role-playing but it it takes place outside the adventure in the world that you're simulating right yeah i think they're you know it's almost like the for me at least i guess just to like put a spin on on what you're saying the times where i've successfully i feel like i feel like i've successfully been able to like in character talk to another another character and you know another player who's also in character it's usually sharing some sort of like one-liner or restating what we've talked about outside Hmm. outside of that that sort Mm -hmm. of conversational um conversational space so like maybe we've we've all sort of decided amongst ourselves like okay we need to travel to canada to go find the hidden you know, snow base, whatever it is, right? right? No, so like we've decided about that. That sounds rad also. That's, but, a, like, good, that's a good place for a snow yeah, base. Right, yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, like, so then, you know, like we might say like, okay, like, okay, so we could go to Mexico, we could go to Canada, right, right. Okay, let's let's go to Canada. And like, so then, then we might turn to each other in character and then say like, you know, like I've always wanted to see what Canada's like in the winter, right? Yeah. And then like the other person can, can react back to that. It's like, yeah, I think once you have the, the information, it's almost like, fun to go back and like talk in character with the knowledge of that information <laughs> that oh, you're bringing sure. in from the, the, the meta level. I see yeah. what you're getting at. Yeah. Right. So you, it's kind of like everyone's read the script now. So yeah. now go back and perform the scene. Yeah. Right. Like perform the scene, put your own nuance on it. Right. Yeah. Like in, in character. And again, I think it goes back to like, if you're having that conversation in character, you at some point need to be able to reference back to like, what is the, what are the possible choices? And that's going to always be at a meta level, right? Like, cause the GM isn't probably necessarily gonna be able to like say like, 
here are your choices, right? Like you can go right. to go to Canada or Mexico. Like maybe they can do it through an NPC or whatever. But have you ever, or would you ever say to a game table, say at a convention, mm-hmm. as soon as that planning brainstorming meeting starts, stop. You guys all have to conduct this planning in character. I want to. <laughs> no, okay. that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value in that, right? Like, because it can push people, I think, to have, yeah, think about that. Yeah, it's like, I mean, you could almost say, like, you know, here, here are your choices, now argue about it in character. And like, if you, if you need to ask me a question about, you know, some sort of game state thing, sure, do it, but try to figure it out in character. Yeah. You're, you're, you're grinning and grinning and thinking and staring I'm, off into the distance. <laughs> I am grinning because when I asked you that question, I was thinking I would never, I would never do this. It would be weird and awkward. Yeah. But now in the space of like, you know, 17 seconds or whatever, mm-hmm. I don't know. Now I'm kind of grinning about it and maybe that'd be kind of fun. Uh, yeah. Here's what keeps tripping me up. I don't understand why it doesn't happen naturally. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if I would want to require it to happen with a ruling. I wonder, do, cause I, I don't watch a lot of, well, I don't watch like any actual plays. Like, so if you, if you're playing a game with like people who are more like trained in theater, <laughs> theater sort of stuff, does it happen? I guess, and maybe this is a question for our listeners too. Like if you have a game table that's full of like, I don't know, extroverted theater types, uh, theater nerds, like, do they do this more often? Like, I, I kind of wonder if it also just might be a selection bias thing of like the sorts of people that we, we play with aren't going to necessarily like go off on those those sorts of um, yep. yeah, those sorts of like little little like uh, narrative side quests of their own. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I will say, you know, I've I've been to a lot of conventions and played in a lot of convention games, and mm-hmm. I don't see a dramatically different way of role playing at those mm-hmm. tables than I have in my own experiences. Yeah. But I think that's a good question, and I also you know if it seems weird to say this, but I really don't watch or keep up with any actual plays mm-hmm. either. So I would love to hear what the best what what kind of the ones with the most dramatically trained or professional casts are doing because <laughs> it would be interesting to see yeah, what they do. I don't know. Yeah, I mean I wonder if like if you if you're trying to hold like who your character is and the mechanics of the game and like what's happening in the narrative. If you're trying to hold all those things sort of in place and you're not the one that's guiding some of that, I think it can also be hard to add sort of another la- layer on top of that, right? Like yeah. so I think to me that that's why having those moments of just like saying like got to do this in character. Right? Like could bring some of that out and I think would be fun for people at the table to be able to explore. Yep. those those sides of their characters um it's something i'm i'm for sure like because of this conversation i'm for sure going to try this out right at the convention yeah well convention you're running, running brindlewood bay at mm-hmm. the convention so yeah are you going to do it yes yeah i think so so there is a the, mecha- the the cool mechanic in brindlewood bay is the theorize role right so this is like after you've collected all of your all of your clues and stuff you like you sit down and try to figure out like how do they connect to each other and make a role. I mean, I think I'm going to try to have them do that in character <laughs> um, as much as possible. And I might, I might just experiment with like, if two characters are in the same room together doing something, like having them have to talk to each other about it too. Like, yeah, talk to each other. This is one of those things where my sense is it's awkward for everybody, but also a lot of people would appreciate being asked to do it. Hmm. Right? Like there's, yep. I think there's certain things in life and then also at the gaming table where that nudge is what you need, um, the nudge and the permission to yeah. do it, right? Like in the, the space, the space as well. There's another conversation lurking behind this one. 
which is that I feel like in the way we've talked about this, we've kind of defaulted to this idea that sort of a purer form of role-playing is acting out your character in mm. a theater is theater style. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. I imagine there's some people listening that would object to that and mm-hmm. say yeah. that is a different, that is something different. Uh, mm-hmm. And good role-playing in Dungeons and Dragons is not the same as, you know, good performance of a role in a play. Yeah, no, I agree. Something I'll often tell new players is if they're comfortable talking in character, they can. If they're not, they're always free to just say, my character does this, right? My character says that. Like, Because I think having that step removed can be helpful for people who are, are maybe new at the game to figure out like who their character is, but then also how to play the game when they're not also thinking about like, I don't know, like how do I do a character voice or how do I, yeah. like, how do I talk as someone else? it's a little bit easier to sort of describe like, oh yes, my dwarf walks over there and does this thing, right? Or like, or tries to get across like this idea, right? Like (laughs) to them. And you don't really necessarily have to like figure out how to say that, right? You can just sort of shortcut and just give the bullet point. That's a good topic as well. Mm -hmm. The question of that, that I question, do you say I attack the goblin or my barbarian attacks the goblin? Mm Mm-hmm. In my own gaming history, so I kind of self-taught myself to role-play just reading the examples in the front of the rule books and stuff. And, and then I taught my players how to play. We just said I. like we. I think we understood our uh, PCs as sort of like video game style avatars. Mm-hmm. I had to kind of train myself to start saying, my character will do this. Hmm. And I started doing that partly because I because it seemed to be what other people were more comfortable uh, doing around me. But I wonder, as games have started presenting scenarios where you are playing out kind of predefined roles rather than bringing a blank slate mm-hmm. Mario or Gordon, who's the Half-Life guy, whatever, you know, I the think, yeah, I think famous kind of silent uh <laughs> projections of yourself you know uh and i wonder if there's been a shift that has made our awareness that we are directing a character that is separate from us through a scenario i wonder if that awareness is a little different than it was in the earlier day of the hobbies where (laughs) it was more like who are you going to be in the next in my next D game yeah that's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think you're right. This is kind of a whole a whole separate topic, and I'm sure I'm sure there's been some academic writing on it too. Because I mean, that is like it. It seems like a subtle difference, but the the more you go down that road, the more complicated questions about embodiment and like storytelling and, and things like that that brings up just from the difference of like saying I go over there or my dwarf goes over there. <laughs> yeah, well it you know I and I I wasn't meaning to drag us away from our topic because mm-hmm. I am thinking of this in the general framework of player to player role playing and mm-hmm. I mean the the answer to that question of how do you refer to yourself it greatly affects the kind of role playing you can do at the table because mm-hmm. it's a really different feel at the table to say my paladin tries to convince your dwarf that this is the wrong course of action mm-hmm. versus you don't say my paladin says to your dwarf uh hey you know and then you say it out i feel like you either voice the character or you uh, relate in kind of that uh, in summary form what they're doing. I think those are the mm-hmm. two comfortable ways to 
role play with um, yeah. others. And I don't know, am I making sense? No, I think you are. I mean, to me, this comes down to the distinction between someone like coming into a room and you're like, oh, and there's, you know, the Duke is sitting behind his, you know, his ornate throne, you know, like looking at uh, a map of the <laughs> map of the Western lands. And you're like, well, I'm, I roll intimidation versus yeah. like going up and like being like, I slam my fist down on the table and say like, you know, like how dare you even mm. look at that map? Yep. Right. Like those are like the two, the two, just the two ways of approaching that to me, the, like I go in and roll intimidation. Like, it's like, Oh, like you're just, you're like missing something that can be cool about this. Mm. Right. Like yep. I will tell you when you need to roll intimidation, you tell me what you're doing and yep. then, then we'll, we'll sort of figure out what happens from there. And I think like the, like I roll intimidation is like a, you're interacting with the game on a mechanical level. And I think that's like a, a great place to start. But until you get to that point where you're, you're there saying like, my paladin goes over and slams his fist on the table, or I go over and slam my fist on the table, like you're missing something that hmm. can yep. be really cool about those games. But then also, yeah, I think that also comes out in the, like the player to player interactions too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. So I don't, I don't know exactly where I'm going with that, but I think this is, this has sparked a lot of good thoughts. I don't either. I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah, we should wrap up, but okay. I am interested in how your Brindlewood Bay game goes because mm-hmm. when you say, all right, guys, talk this through in character, you know, does that mean they have to try voices or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, do they have to try a speaking style that they associate with their character that they mm-hmm. don't use themselves? I mean, that's going to yeah. be very relevant in your game where I think all the PCs are, you know, 75-year-old mm-hmm. book club members, right? Yeah. So um, I guess we'll find out. I want to see how much your players really dug that or, and if you saw any signs of discomfort with, mm-hmm. or people really kind of uh, experiencing friction with that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm expecting some friction. That's okay though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. Friction can be good. I guess. So. Yeah. Okay. Let's wrap yeah, up. Right. Yeah. That was a good conversation. Thanks Andy. Um, I think there's yeah, sort of a, a lot, a lot to still think about there. So, you know, for sure, if you listen to this and you have thoughts, um, please reach out to us and, and let us know. Um, I would love to hear from someone who's like, I cannot get my table to stop role playing with each other. Like, yes. so we can advance the story. I think that there's there's definitely some people out there that are thinking along those lines. But uh, yeah, so this has been a roll for topic. We're part of the Roll for It Media Podcasting Network. Um, our sister show, The Splat Book, with John Corey and Kyle Latino, continues. Um, you can find them at thesplatbook.com. Yeah, I really love that podcast quite a bit. Um, yeah, so please, please go check it out and listen to as much of it as you can. Um, I, <laughs> I heard recently that uh, someone, kind of a friend of a friend, recently found the podcast and they've just been like listening to every episode in order as quickly as possible, <laughs> like really enjoying it. Yeah. But I think that does it for us. Uh, you got anything else for us, Andy? Uh, nope. Just that it will be inevitable that I talk about Baldur's Gate three uh, oh, right. in a future episode. Yeah. Uh, I've made my saving throw all the way up till this moment. <laughs> so so yes. just, uh, yeah, just yeah. brace yourself, I guess. So okay. we will, otherwise, maybe we'll just record a special, a special episode of Andy gets to talk about Baldur's Gate three for, for 45 <laughs> minutes. That, yeah. yeah. That sounds thrilling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I've been Chris Salzman. I've been Andy Rao. And remember if your players are having fun, you're a great GM. Bye.